When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for part two of the cornerback countdown with Michael Crawford. If you missed part one, go out and download it. Some great stuff from Michael, uh, in particular, about this cornerback class. Uh, Some differences of opinion, a lot of fun stuff, certainly, as we went through that first half. Uh, In the second half, uh, we got more to to talk about in the top five in the class. Should all go in the first round. It'll be a very exciting opportunity for the Ravens to to address a significant need and pretty good chance one of these cornerbacks is at the corner of need and value street. Michael, how you doing? All right. That's cool. He, uh, uh, you know, great pairing. Okay. So we're down to my number seven guy. I think is that all, is that all the progress we've made on this so far? <laughs> okay. Cam Smith is my number seven guy. Um, I do like him. I imagine you have him higher because you haven't mentioned him yet. I'm sure he's in your top 10, six, one, one eighty arms are a little short at 31 and five eights Four forty three speed is just okay. Uh, he has good vert and broads. There's no measurable that's off there. Did want to mention this for banks because it's, it's true of so many cornerbacks in this draft. There is an aversion to the three cone for cornerbacks now that is barring on the bordering on the ridiculous. <laughs> uh, a cornerback seems to be of the feeling that if I run the three cone, all I can do is hurt myself. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of players they need a good three cone to be considered a you know to to stand out from the other corners. Um, and yet you know the last thing you want to do is have an edge rusher out three cone you by four tenths of a second and then have that on your permanent Or an record. offensive lineman. <laughs> That's happened with um, Linderbaum. He got some guys last year. He got some guys. Yeah, he was in, he was in the, the high sixes, low sevens. Yeah, and there's All a guy right. this year, I think Cody Mott. I think he had a really good one too. So it's yeah, yeah that that's uh that we didn't and not I'm sorry, I shouldn't interrupt you, but just to, because you brought it up, that's one thing we didn't mention with Brents. Brents yeah. actually had really good agility numbers for a guy his his height. I want to say his three code was six six three and short shoulder was four oh five. It's really good for a guy. Yeah, that's time. that's absurdly good. Yeah. And I, did I even have that in my list of things? I did not even put that on my list of, of things, but that's yeah. absurd. Of all the guys, yeah. of all the corners who you think wouldn't want to do it, it'd be the, the bigger guys, yeah. like them, the taller, bigger guys, but he did it and did it well. I, and that's probably why. He probably knew he was going to do it well, and that's why he did it. So I, I don't, I, you know, I always have pro day numbers at a jaundiced eye, but they, they probably do some pre pro day where they really want to measure players in mm-hmm. all of these different ways and give them a chance to know, should I do this at the combine or not? You know, that's got to be part of their, yep. uh, their, their game. All right. So uh, I'm sorry. We were in the middle of discussing Cam, Cam Smith. Smith. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Yeah. No, 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 no. Life is good. Uh, reads very well. Uh, plays it comes from his zone scheme at South Carolina. It means he's got his eyes on the quarterback more often than not and uh and gets a good chance to uh make reads i i think you know there's some things about him that i didn't like which dropped him this far the first was that he's kind of a tweener um in terms of his speed that he might be a tick slow for the outside um but then on the other hand he's got some tackling limitations and he needs to really stay on the outside probably to minimize those. You wouldn't want to have him come into the slot where he's got big run responsibilities. You still have run responsibilities and screen responsibilities on the outside, but you got more on uh, if you're a slot corner. Um, uh, I think he finds the uh, ball in the air well, uh, despite some of the some of the read limitations that I've mentioned here. He has six interceptions among 18 passes defense in 32 games. That's fine. The six interceptions obviously is outstanding. Um, 
uh, and, he, and he, he got PDs that were at the catch point and he got PDs by contact after the catch, which is a nice thing to see that you want to see a, a, a you want to see a corner who can do it all in, in that respect, who can, who can undercut, reach across the body, get a PD, get a PD at the catch point, bludgeon the ball free. Like, like we see Marlon Humphrey do, whether it's a forced fumble or a, you're just not bringing that ball into your body. Uh, and, and also the Deshaun Elliott type PDs where they just go through the center of, of mass uh, indiscriminate of what other opportunities maybe exist and, and try and dislodge the football that way. So uh, Cam Smith had, had a, a fair amount of, of, of that going across the board there. Um, his interceptions, I looked at all six of his interceptions. There's a good variation here. So he had a zone underneath, a man underthrown, zone top on a severe underthrow. That, that's a college football interception. That won't happen a lot in the pros. Zone underneath on a, just a complete flotation device, a terrible throw. Uh, a man deep where he really became the receiver. It was a deep post route, and, and he tracked the football and, and hauled it in as if he was the, the receiver. And a zone top on a short route to the outside. So he was actually the over the top guy, but he undercut the route and uh, and made the play. Great to see that mix of interceptions as well. It's, it, that he's that he he finds the football and he'll find a way to get there. It's not all gambling underneath cuts, which I love anyway. But or or it's not all um, man coverage. He has to have an underthrow occur to to get some. There's some guys out there who. That was, a, a, you know, most of their interceptions in their college careers. But uh, but Cam Smith, a lot of different ways to, to, to find the football. Aggregate coverage results are good, not great, at 5.6 yards per target and a 47.1 completion rate for the last two years combined. So good. Um, the, the guy who is probably the closest in terms of a ball hawk uh, in this draft, I don't want to give it away, but, but he's my number three guy. And so you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, we could save ourselves some time here because Cam Swift was my number six guy. I think did. we just flip flopped our six and seven guys. Uh, one thing I did want to say about Cam Smith, though, just one one thing I, I wanted to add in there. I love his play demeanor. He's out there talking mm-hmm. all the time to everybody, <laughs> and he carries himself with that swagger. You know, it reminded me of Marcus Peters. It was the first thing that I thought about. I was just like, not you know, obviously, you know, in terms of a ball hawk, Marcus Peters is in a league of his own. But just the way that he plays the game, the way he carries himself out on the field, right? A lot of confidence, a lot of bravado. Uh, my son would say he's got that dog in him. I'm too old. I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> but he definitely has a swagger and a chip on his shoulder kind of demeanor that I like at a cornerback. I love to see cornerbacks who play with that. Now, it can backfire because, you know, you're going to get beat. That's that's part of life at corner. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes guys on the other side will give it uh, just as much as you did, but that's okay. I love that. I love the guys who have that kind of demeanor out there because, you know, you look at Marlon, Marlon's not really that guy, right? He'll get excited mm-hmm. and, you know, he'll get fired up time to time, but he's kind of more like, um, I don't want to say like it's a negative thing, but it's like a, it, it, it's like a positive energy, right? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're making the play. Come on guys. Come on guys. Lock in, lock in. Right. And Cam Smith is like, no, you piece of, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a different kind of energy, but I like, I like that energy. All right, well, we flip flop again because the, the sixth guy for me is Deontay Banks. So we're to your number five guy. All right, my number five guy. So here's here's my guy that I said I, I might have a little higher. He might not even be on your list at this point. Keely Ringo from Georgia. Number five guy also. So you didn't beat <laughs> me again. Look at that. We've done it again. <laughs> We've done it again. Yeah. I'll have to admit. Uh, okay, so 6'1", 207, um, 43640. Obviously, you know he can run. Um Hands a little smaller. I think I had him at eight and a half inch hands, 31 and a quarter inch arms. Uh, not not a great vert, 33 and a half, uh, 1002 broad. And then the shuttles, you know, again, not 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 probably what you'd like to see for uh, in the agility. I mean, uh, 426 uh, short shuttle and 721 three cone. He, I think he ended up doing those at his pro day. I don't think he did them at the uh, mm-hmm. at the combine. Um, but I would admit with him, I probably dug in with him the most because I was really trying to understand him. Right. Because I really liked, I'd say I wanted to really like him. Let's just let's phrase it like that. I really wanted to like him. And I did like things about him. But there were just things where I'm like, man, this guy, he should make more plays. He's in position to make plays, gets himself out of position at times, too. He's given up some long touchdowns, too. Uh, but he's in pretty good position. I'd say the majority of the time. Now with him, that was, I think I mentioned it with one of the other guys, but the eye discipline thing, I had that like over, over and over again with him. 
And I've even got like clip examples I may have tweeted out over time where you, you can literally see it when you slow down the clip. He's in the Tennessee game against Cedric Tillman, and Cedric Tillman was running a bunch of stop routes in that game and kind of creating some separation. He's a bigger body guy, uh, but was able to kind of really sink his hips and, and you know get out of his break and, and create some, some space against Ringo. And you can see Ringo looking at Tillman's eyes, like eye level. Like he's not looking at his hip at all. You'll get fooled up here. Anything above the shoulders, mm-hmm. watching a wide receiver, they will fool you. <laughs> so you really got to lock your eye on that hip because when the hip drops, they're getting ready to break, mm-hmm. right? One way or the other. Sitting in the chair. Yeah, and so you could see Ringo still looking at his eyes while Tillman has dropped, right, and starting to, to stop uh, and on his little comeback or hitch or stop, whatever you want to call it. And it's like two or three yards of separation. And I'm like, man, if he can just get with a DB coach – that can really kind of help him hone that up. He actually had three different DB coaches at Georgia. So it was kind of a revolving door there. But um, when you look at him, you look at his career, um, it reminds me of something Mike Tomlin uh, said. He did one of these podcasts over the season. They got into a little bit of a draft discussion. He says he likes reading scouting reports because he laughs. He's like, people tell me, oh, can't change direction, uh, short arms, uh, can't do this, can't do that. He's like, that's all funny to me because he says, if we're talking about anything other than pedigree, that's coaching. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. A lot of guys in this league run away from coaching. They want to blame the player. Well, look what it said on the report. I told you you could. He said, no, no, no. I run to coaching. And when you look at Ringo's pedigree, state champion in high school, two-time state champion in, in, in college, you know, uh, would have started as a true freshman at Georgia, but I think he had a shoulder injury. He actually got it in high school, and then they were doing like the uh, off-season workouts at Georgia his freshman year, and he made it worse and he ended up getting surgery on it. He ended up sitting out his whole true freshman season, but then he started every game next two years, 21 and 22. So there's some big play stuff in there I don't love uh, that he allowed. There's some stiffness for sure when you look at his hips, and, and, and there's, there's a little bit of tightness. I don't like to say stiff. There's a little bit of tightness in there and he's a guy whose name have been floated around like oh maybe he's better at safety so i've heard some of that um people talk about the instincts and the recognition you know they're not great uh doesn't do a good job tracking the ball and locating the ball all the time reminded me of a cornerback the ravens had here a long time ago coming out of colorado who initially had a little issue locating the ball uh and when you go and you look back at their athletic profiles you know just the measurables and the testing look at jimmy smith's numbers and look at marlon humphrey numbers and then look at keely ringo's numbers other than the agilities they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, I think the Ravens definitely have that type in terms of bigger body. I mean, they, they talked about it right yesterday at the at the conference, right? He likes press man, you know, Harbs likes press man, big press man corners. I think that's what Ringo can be, but there's definitely some way to go in terms of development to get there. So, so much great stuff in what you just said. So much great stuff. I love the comments about Tomlin and the running to coaching. And that's kind of what I looked at a lot of all play, all positions, frankly, is where's the untapped talent there? You know, because, because if, you know, we, we know what they did on the field and we're not just going to judge everybody by yards per target or that can be a baseline for the thing or, you know, what their college results were and even modifying that for who they played. I, that's not enough. You, you've, you've got to be able to look at the, at, at what you can see and, and at the measurables and the other factors you have and say, could he improve in an area, you know, here and, 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 and be a better player than was. I, there's a lot of things I really like about who Kayla Ringo is right now. And the first is, that he denies space. And you mentioned Jimmy Smith and you mentioned Marlon Humphrey and they are space deniers. Yeah. Like Taylor is the, is the other classic one from, you know, the, the, the AFC North for many years, uh, boundary boundary cornerback. And at six, two, two Oh seven, he, he ought to be that guy. Um, remember the game clinching pick six against Alabama. Uh, you know, he does not seem to have a favored shoulder. He can play left corner and right corner had a good number of passes defensed on both sides. Um, I, I, you know, the interesting thing about making more plays, I mean, I, I see, he got beat some. Since, since I'm not saying that that wasn't a, you know, an issue that you want to be carefully watched. Uh, you know, had 15 passes defense and four interceptions in 29 games. I don't think that's terrible. And one of the things I really love about Ringo, relative to some of the other bigger names in this class, is he won't turn 21 until 627. He's one of the yeah. youngest players in the entire freaking draft. Right there, that should tell you there's things he can learn, even if they're not apparent to us exactly what it might be about his game. But always take the younger player if uh, all other things being equal. And that was one of the reasons why I put him up ahead of Banks and ahead of Cam Smith 
on my list, whereas I might have had him down as far as number seven or even number eight um, was the age thing that I, I really believe there's a lot of growth there. Yeah, I, I like him. And I've had a lot of discussion with other people whose opinions, you know, I, I value looking at prospects and stuff and they're a little lower on him. And I think even some of the, the the big media people out there are a little bit lower too, because of some of that tightness and some of the, you know, they, they, they use that kind of catch all word instincts, you know, <laughs> that they think could be a little bit better, but I look to the youth, like you said, again, look at what happened at Georgia. He's, he's played cornerback for two years, essentially at Georgia, mm-hmm. right? Cause he missed his, he missed his true freshman year. Uh, even when in high school, I think he initially, when he was at Sagaro, They've had some NFL guys come out of Squaro. Uh, I can never say it right. Cigarro, um, in Arizona. DJ Foster, Christian Kirk, Byron Murphy. Um, he initially uh, transferred. He, I think he's from Washington State. So he transferred uh, to a school in Arizona. And he thought he was going to be a running back. He played running back. He played a little bit of DB too, but I think he played running back. And he'd been a track guy too. But then he gets there, and their head coach, Jason Mons, who's won a bunch of high school titles, uh, he actually just went to Arizona State and got a job on that staff. Uh, said, no, no, this guy's a DB. <laughs> and so he, lear- he he was learning the position there too. So he's one of those guys who you look at his age and you identified the youth there, but just his youth at the position. This is played the position mm-hmm. a ton. So I think that there's something there uh, as well in terms of development. And then, you know me, I like to have these little personal notes. People have probably heard the story, especially if you're a Georgia fan. I know uh, Jacob uh, <laughs> on Twitter, his big yes, Georgia guy. Jake Vogel. Uh, yeah, Jake Vogel, he'll know for sure. But uh, his mom was diagnosed with, uh, not not Jake's, but uh, Keela Ringo, uh, his mom, Traley Hale, was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2020. Uh, she's she's beat it. She's been in full remission since then, but they had a big online fundraising effort. I think they got up like $50,000. And he actually took some of his NIL money and uh, donated it to that. So I think just everything you read about him, you know, the personal stuff, just seems like a really good guy, really got his head on straight, um, you know, has when you watch him in interviews, it's like a Devin Duvernay-ish type of interview, right? Mm-hmm. Everything like there's no laughing and joking. It's all very, <laughs> very professional, very polished. You know he laughs and jokes. I mean, he's he's a young guy, but it's just the demeanor that he carries himself with is almost like a very professional demeanor already. So all of that was very appealing to me. So there we go. We uh we had another another tie there at five. Okay, so another tie at five. Number four, I wouldn't be surprised if we've got the same number four guy either. I but think I've got me. my number four guy. It's your number three guy based on some other things you said. Emmanuel yeah, Forbes okay. is my number four guy. Um, and we look, we've danced around it, so we should hit it right off the top, right? 6'0", 166 pounds at the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard his pro day, he was up in the 170 range, 171, 172, somewhere there. I've heard other guys who've played in the NFL, I think, most prominently Asante Samuel, not junior, but senior, talked about it and say, hey, that's not a problem. We'll put weight on that. He's like, when he gets to the NFL, they'll put weight on that guy. That's not that's not going to be a problem. When he gets, you know, with an NFL uh, strength and conditioning staff, a nutritionist, you know, a diet plan, he's like, they, they'll be able to put weight. But he's like, what? that's easy to change and manipulate. He said, what's not easy to change is that this guy is a freaking ball hawk. <laughs> okay. You, you, can't, you can't create that, right? I mean, not only does he take the ball away a lot, he takes it to the house, right? Six mm-hmm. career pick sixes. It's unheard of. It's absolutely unheard Wait, of. Wait, six career pick sixes? I thought it was four. But anyway. I you, think it's six. Double okay. check me. He's, the, he's the all-time record holder in college football, I believe. Yeah, you, right. I, I could no. be wrong. I could be making it, yeah. you know. It's I'll a check fish it right now we're talking. The more, the more you, you tell it, the fish gets bigger. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you're probably right. It's probably four. Um, but other, but everything else other than having that really kind of slender build, um, you know, eight and a half inch hands. Okay. 32 inch arms. You like that four, three, five, 40, um, you know, uh, played in the sec there at Mississippi state. So, you know, he's not going against the little sisters of the poor. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's seeing, you know, all of the, all of those guys who were at Alabama, he, he got a chance to see all of those guys, uh, Devonte Smith, you know, all those dudes, by the way, you're absolutely right. It was six, six, okay. uh, pick sixes. It's ridiculous. Oh, mind blowing. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely unheard of. I mean, to have one or two or three in your career is like, all right, that's that's impressive. But six yeah. of these things. And the thing, and I know you you probably are aware of this because you you chart, you know, the interceptions and kind of how they happen. His ball awareness, obviously, he has tremendous ball skills. I mean, you don't take the ball away as much as he does if you don't. But his ability, it's just like anytime the ball is near him, the ability to react to the ball and catch it 
I mean, he's taking it away against, you know, just wide receivers running routes. He's catching it off of caroms, off of ricochets. Oh, a whole <laughs> he's bunch of tipping it. Yep. And if he's tipping, he, sometimes he'll tip it to himself. He'll tip it to another teammate. His just ability to react to the ball and not only affect it by deflecting everywhere, but to secure it. It's it's like he's moving in slow motion. Like it, it just slows down around him, and he's able to locate the ball and secure it, and then obviously do something with it. So. I think he's a guy who, despite the slender build, showed me that he was a willing tackler. You know, he'd come up on screens and that kind of thing or short routes and, you know, stick his stick his face in the fan and, and get guys on the ground. Um, I think that he's just an he, – sometimes with guys like that who are like really, you know, ball hawks, you think about them as gamblers, right? And it's like high risk, high reward kind of thing. Yeah, they take the ball away, but they give up a bunch of plays, and they're going to get beat their fair share of times. I don't know those numbers. You probably do because you look at that thing. But just watching the tape, I was like, I didn't really feel – I didn't come away thinking like, okay, this is a guy who just gets dusted because he's a gambler. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't I didn't see that. There were certainly times he got beat. I'm not saying that didn't happen. But uh, he looked like a guy who had those really, really good ball skills but also was a pretty solid cover corner too. So – I liked him all around. I mean, other than the slender build, I don't know that there's a whole lot you could ding him on. So my number three guy overall, I absolutely love him. I think he could be he could be right there at 22 if he's not taken before and, and be need and value would be lining up. And and frankly, I think he's the closest thing to Marcus Peters there is in the draft in terms of a of a, of a player who understands how to gamble. And here's the here's the incredible thing. He had 20 passes defense in college. 14 of those were picks. It's ridiculous. 14 out of 20 converted for picks. It's, it's, it's just absurd. And, and you know, even looking back at Ed Reed's career, Ed Reed was a streaky player, obviously had tons of interceptions, but he had a, he had a fair number of drops too. Ed Reed just got himself in position for so many plays. It was ridiculous. People would complain once in a while when you drop one, you drop that, you know, get yourself in position for as many picks as, as Ed Reed did. And sure, he's going to have some drops too. Um, I, I, in Forbes' case, his conversion rate is just otherworldly. Um, he did have some missed tackle issues. Uh, eight missed tackles this last season is, is a problem. But on the other hand, I saw the same thing you did, that even at the lighter weight, and I think he played at a weight higher than this. I think he actually lost weight for the combine in order to try and run try better. Run. Yeah. And, and uh, right. And jump too, for that matter. But, but the, but I, I think that was what, what was behind that. So I don't think the 166 is real. I think he's in the one seventies um, and they'd probably like him to be one eighty. And then the problem really becomes, can he really replicate that four, three, five speed anymore? But his reads, I mean, he just plays so much faster than his speed anyway on tape. Uh, he's, he understands where the ball is going. A lot of times he doesn't have to look at the quarterback, which is something you'll notice occasionally. Uh, I, Gonzalez has a, had an interception like that as well. But, uh, you know, Forbes is reading the ball off the receiver, which is just, that's an amazing talent. But he is he's a back-end cover three zone corner, can give you tremendous value there. You, you have um, his tackling becomes less of an issue on the back end of cover three. It's not that he won't, he'll have some intermediate routes. He has to get somebody on the, on the ground, but it won't be a running back and it won't be a tight end as often probably. When he's when he's on the back end of cover three, lots of interception opportunities. Uh, we've talked about a lot of times on my show about Marcus Peters and his gambling and how his conversion rate does not need to be super high, particularly when the opponent is in plus territory to make it a great gamble if you've got a chance at a pick six. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a chance at a pick six on an undercut and they're already at a point where they have an expected three and a half points and you can turn that around to, to minus seven. Uh, you don't have to be right that often, 20% or something. You, yeah. you, you you have to be right. Well, Emmanuel Forbes has been right a lot more than that in his career. And and some of it's about, about just being able to get to the spot. The other part is about being able to secure the football, and, and they're both there. I, I would be so excited to see him uh, as a Raven. You mentioned, you know, it's a it's a mess of different things. He had two tip balls in, in, this, in the same game against Texas A&M. Uh, the interception versus... Uh, uh, Kentucky was was a stare down, and this is one of the things with Emmanuel Forbes. You do that at your own peril. Yeah. If if you're a quarterback and you look to his side of the field at stare down a receiver, doesn't even matter if, if if it's his man. In some cases, do so at your own peril, particularly if they're in zone. And uh, uh, you, you're better off probably just not throwing to that side of the field at all. But uh, uh, but the quarterbacks that do that, and obviously college quarterbacks have a lot of accuracy issues that lead to more cheap picks. 
but uh, but Forbes is just a, a remarkable player. And um, I think his speed has played well in terms of some makeup plays as well. And I think that's something that will help him at the next level. But I don't expect at, at you know playing at, at, at what I expect will be an NFL size he'll have to play at that he's going to really have the elite speed that he tested at the combine. I think it'll be more of a he's he's the patient Marcus Peters type ball hawk. Absolutely love him. He, he's my number three guy. Yeah, if he if he puts on ten pounds and he's in the low four fours, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's fine. Now I have a feeling. We did a flip again. I bet our three and four guys are flipped. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Because so, I bet our one and two guys are the same. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> so who goes? I forget. I think it's your turn to go. Uh, uh, I'm my number four guy, Joey Porter Jr. Do I got your guy? Who's number three? Oh, no. See, so we're going to have some yeah, differences. We're going to have some differences. Okay. Joey Porter Jr. definitely has the frame you want at 6'2", 193, 446, 40, 34 inch arms. So love the arms. And uh, happy with that. He is a little bit older. He'll be 23 in July. Um, measurables are all good, uh, good or better. Uh, 20 passes defense in 31 college games. Um, quarterbacks overthrew his assignment a lot. So he has forced incompletions that don't show up as passes defense, which is the sign of a great boundary cornerback. And he should be given how big he is. Of course, at 193, he's kind of a little bit on the smaller side than, than a lot of cornerbacks might be at that weight, but still got those boundary skills to, to make it uncomfortable for a wide receiver to, to risk going out of bounds or have to slow down or whatever it might be. Um, there's lots of examples on his highlight reel alone of places where he d- is denying space or fighting for real estate on that outside. So I really like that. I only had one interception in college. That's definitely one of the downsides. He's not the ball skills guys that, that uh, a lot of other people have. Uh, if you want to watch a game to get hyped about him, watch the Purdue game. Oh, they uh, threw at him a yeah. ton in that and game. Aiden O'Connell just <laughs> yeah. I, he's, he's not started. the guy he's going to face at the NFL level. <laughs> I think he had six PBUs in that game alone. I yeah, mean, it's a crazy number. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Ravens have the Ravens record is seven by a game in a game by Lardarius Webb, uh, and the other guy who had six and he didn't even play all the snaps is um, Dwayne Starks. Hmm. at it so uh, uh exceptional uh you know the other thing that i like about porter is that he uses his length very well in terms of draping over a slanting receiver now if if you want people watch different amounts of football obviously but the slant's one of the hardest to defend passes it's you, you go off the line of scrimmage you've really got to disrupt that route typically at the line of scrimmage to have a good chance to defend it or within the first five yards but but he has a fair number of reps where he's reaching across the body of a slanting receiver. Now, undoubtedly, some of that is college quarterbacks throwing behind their receiver a little bit and giving him a little bit of an opportunity. But that's a very hard pass to defend, and it's just exceptional when I see a when I see a, a corner who can do that off the line of scrimmage. Definitely, press is his game. So uh, you know the Ravens have talked about it. You mentioned it before. Uh, you know, being a being a characteristic they love, and I think he'll be a guy who does it very well in the NFL. Uh, round one guy, clearly, um, if he lasts to 22, and I don't think it's super likely, then he's could be at that intersection of need and value as well. Yeah, yeah. So we differed there. Um, so we're up to number three. Yeah, so he's your number two guy then? He's my number two guy, yeah. Okay. And other comments about him? Um, I had him probably as high as I did just because of the the that press coverage ability and and his length. Now, Julius Brent's obviously had length too, but I just thought Porter did such a better job of using his length, um, whether it was in coverage, whether it was in the run game, like he's just getting his hands on guys to make tackles uh, <laughs> with this length, you know, guys who you think about, you know, like a run and it's either a design perimeter run or the running back is bouncing out to the perimeter. And, you know, we've seen it in the NFL, right, where sometimes it's coming out there and there's a corner out there and they're able to kind of get around that corner. You can't get around it. Uh, <laughs> with that length, he's able to get his hands on guys. And one thing I noticed uh, that I had noted down is he'll get his, particularly in the run game, I imagine he could do it in coverage too, but I saw it on a run play. So he goes to, and it's that exact scenario, running back bounces, comes to his side. He's kind of last line of defense over there because the safety had come up, you know, come down in the box. So he, and, and this was minus territory. It's probably like 10 yard line going in or something like that. So he's the last line of defense, right? Against this running back. Because of that length, he's not only able to get 
a hand and an arm and a hand on this running back and try to help usher him out of bounds because, you know, his momentum was carrying him that way too. Because he can secure contact with the ball carrier with that link, he was using that other hand to try to get the ball out. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that. I'm just like, because sometimes guys with shorter arms or maybe aren't as confident in their tackling ability, it's like, no, I got to, I, everything's got to be about getting this guy on the ground. I can't be playing games with not getting the ball down. He's like, no, no, no. I can do this <laughs> because I have the physical ability to do this. You know, you want to have a negative about every player. So I did the edge rushers with Voss. Will Anderson, who the Ravens said, if Will Anderson's on the board, we'll probably take him. You know, kind of thing. It was a joke yeah. in the response at the Liars luncheon yesterday. But uh, Will Anderson, he said, he's got something like 34 college sacks. I mean, just absurd number. He's only forced one fumble. And, and it, you know, that is a legitimate knock. I, I don't know how you can go one for 34. It's about like going one for 34 as a batter who should hit 200 or should hit 175 at least kind of thing. And and that's that's just, he had 030. And that's something people have brought up about Will Anderson. I've heard other people make that point. Like, hey, the pressures, the sacks, that's all great. But you'd like to see, you know, the ball getting, getting taken away more for a guy who's getting to the quarterback and hitting quarterback that much. But, yeah, for me, Porter Jr., it was that length. And I think in the, I had to write some profiles this year, not on all these guys, but like a handful of them. So to me, he was really a guy who I thought, you know, cause sometimes this gets overplayed, but I really think like if he's able to reach his, his, his ceiling, his full potential, he's a take away one side of the field kind of guy. I really think he has that kind of ability. Um, you know, if, if, you know, everything comes together, there's a lot of things that have to happen there, but you think about the, the, the Ravens division, and you think about the guys, right? Chase Higgins with the Bengals, mm-hmm. uh, Pickens, Deontay Johnson with the Steelers. Johnson might give him a little bit more trouble, but you know, sometimes those press guys they can mitigate that by just getting their hands on. And then Amari Cooper, you know, these are the kind of guys that you got to guard. And these, aside from Johnson, those are big guys. Mm-hmm. Those are big, physical, strong, fast guys. Now, I know top end speed isn't necessarily Porter's thing, even though his dad said he probably could run faster. Uh, <laughs> but getting his hands on people and getting physical, that is his thing. And so I love that kind of matchup with those kinds of guys. I mean, we see it with Marlon. That's Marlon's thing. Now, Marlon probably a little bit faster top end wise than Joey Porter, but Marlon's game is definitely about being physical and getting his hands on guys. So having those two guys with the receivers that they, you know, they have to face in the North, I just I was like, man, that's that would be very intriguing. I mean, anybody towards the top of this board, we're going to yeah, be can't go wrong. with. You can't it's, go a, wrong. it's a great corner group. <laughs> uh, so let, let me, let's reconstruct here. So I had Emmanuel Forbes at number three. And I'm sorry, we, 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 you brought up Joey Porter, or I brought up Joey Porter at four. Yeah. So my three was Devin Witherspoon, who's probably your two. He's mine. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Number one. He's one. Okay, you have him over Gonzalez. I okay. have him over Gonzalez. Okay. So uh, go ahead and talk about Devin Witherspoon. All right. So uh, I mentioned the word earlier. You hear it a lot in scouting terms, right, and instincts. It's the most instinctive dude, I think, in this group. I mean, he sees it. He goes and gets it. You talk about solving your problems with aggression. <laughs> this, is, this is an aggressive dude. And he's not a huge guy. What was he, 5'11", 181? Um 31 and a quarter inch arms, mm-hmm. a little over 80 inch hands. Uh, I think he just ran at his four day uh, at, at, well, I wasn't the pro day. He had like his own pro day basically because it was his recovery right. from an injury. And I want to say it was four, four, two was the best time. Four, four, five, four, four, six uh, was out there. So, you know, that was the question, right. That people had when you watch his game, you see him do everything, like literally does everything. There's nothing you're like, okay, this, this guy can't do a car. Now he does it all. Speed was the thing, right. People wanted to see, you know, mm-hmm. top end long speed and, Obviously, you know, 442 shows that he can do that. But yeah, just I didn't know what else to write. I mean, I just kept writing instinctive, instinctive, aggressive, aggressive. I'm just like, this guy just does it all. Uh, and you know, you love the story. A zero star recruit coming out of high school, special teamer when he first comes there to Illinois, and then, you know, probably going to be in the top two to three corners drafted in the NFL draft. 
yeah, I, it, 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 uh, you know, he's my number one guy. I, I absolutely love him. And, and, uh, watching on tape is, is great. And he consistently is denying the football, uh, to, to an opposing receiver, uh, has a lot of the characteristics of Marcus Peters. Again, I, I using Marcus Peters name is like using, you know, somebody's name in vain. Uh, but, but it, it definitely is, is a player who, um, has a lot of that same find the ball skill. Marcus Peters is a little bit of a super gambler. I wouldn't put Witherspoon in that class. That's really Forbes game. Um, but, uh, but Witherspoon has the ability to find the football, stay in man coverage as he needs to. Uh, I thought he did a really good job downhill at attacking players. He's got some prodigious hits on tape yeah. I mean, that destroys people. <laughs> they really look like the kind of thing he'll need to clean up in the NFL. And this is another Marcus Peters-like thing, which is not good, is he has a weakness as a tackler that doesn't really want to use his arms because he wants to make a super hit. So he's he's looking to lay his shoulder and the other guy's jaw pretty much on a regular basis, and uh, you know it's it's just something that that I think is he he will work through that and I think be a pretty good tackler at the NFL level because it's not a size issue, not really. Um, if you look at the game against Michigan, so he played Michigan the second to last game of the year, and they were seven and three. Michigan was ten and zero. He put on a clinic in that game versus a good football team mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, staying with his receiver, deflecting the ball, making plays in the run game. It was just, it was a, a terrific performance. Um, very dangerous with the football. A lot of his interceptions go go a long distance on the return. That's a nice bonus. And, and you know, certainly he did a, a fair amount of that. Um, you know, what was interesting about him, he did not test at the combine in any way. And I don't know if there might have been some injury involved other than, you know, he, he, but, I, but I'm not aware of it. Oh, yeah, no, there's an injury. Oh, there, there was an injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to go ahead and look up what the specific thing was, but yeah, that's why he he waited so late to to have this pro day and run because he was getting back from something. I can't remember exactly what it was. All right, very good. So the the four forty two forty forty six makes a lot of sense. Then, uh, you know, if it, it, it's it's one of these things that that uh, I wouldn't it wouldn't it would have been okay if he just said screw that I'm not testing in any way. You draft me based on the results because his results are the most incredible in college football. And I want to talk about one player from this year, one player from last year in terms of this. But let's start with him this year. How would you like your quarterback in a particular game? You can think Joe Flacco or you're probably going to think a bad quarterback. So let's pick somebody bad from the last few years. Rosen, maybe. Let's say he goes 22 for 63 throwing the ball for 206 yards, zero TDs, and three interceptions. Those were the targets of Devin Witherspoon this season. Hmm. 22 of 63, 206, zero TDs, three interceptions, 25.0 passer rating, throwing to his targets. That's less than if they just grounded the football every time. Yep. Then, they, then I have 39.6. <laughs> so so uh, incredible uh, results. Uh, and the uh, his yards per target were, oh, I had that. And I know that was one of his best statistics. Oh, darn it. I don't have it right in front of me right now. I'll have to, I'll, I'll get that again before it. They were still throwing at him a lot. They threw at him five times per game. Part of the reason was Illinois, Illinois always matched him up against the other team's number one receiver. So, you know, obviously their teams want to throw to their own guys, but he's playing in, you know, what is, um, let's not call it mid major level. He's, he's playing in the big 10 It's a power five conference. It's, it's, it's real quarterback play is involved. It's not the sec, but it's a, it's a, it's a good quarterback conference. And uh, I did a good job at it. The guy last year who came out of the draft with amazing um, yards per target production was Trent McDuffie. Mm-hmm. Now, what I recall is Eric DaCosta, after the draft, really got on a, on some reporter or analyst for being a McDuffie fan. Mm-hmm. He didn't like him at all. Really? At, yeah. And and McDuffie went to the Chiefs, and yeah, he had a good year. Re- really good rookie year with 5.0 <laughs> yards per target. And I tell you, you, you just have to look at these things. The ball production in college, it really does matter. Not just ball production, I'm sorry. The yards per target production in college, it really matters. And, and you know, McDuffie was a guy, I, I, last year, yeah. admittedly, I looked at him and I said, you know, it's not obvious why he's so good, but there's a lot of players who play faster than than who they are, and they don't have great measurables but they have better instincts and, and yards per target is trying to tell you that. And, yep. you know, we're trying to not listen to it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I think it lines up too with 
you've probably heard of this. They've been writing a bunch of articles about it recently, especially with Brock Purdy last year at quarterback. So you hear it mostly about quarterbacks, but they do it with other positions too. This S2 cognition test. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah, yeah. So you can Google it. Um, you could even put in S2 cognition test. The athletic, because yeah, right there's, there's yeah. a couple of articles in the athletic about it that are really good. They did one on Brock Purdy, but so it's not the wonder look, right? It's not an IQ test. It's a cognition test. It's a processing test. They, I think they started doing it with baseball players initially. They've been doing it with baseball players for years. And then I think they've moved into the NFL space um, over the recent years. And I think they mentioned his name in one of those articles, Trent McDuffie's name in one of those articles that I read that uh, whatever his score was, it was it was really, I think something like 90s or above is obviously like a really high score. And I want to say he was in that range just in terms of his processing ability. And it really does kind of line up with yards per target. If you are somebody who can process really fast, uh, where you're either deflecting the ball or picking the ball off or just getting into body position where the quarterback, you know, says that's not a target. I can't throw the ball there. Um, that really kind of lines up with that ability to process. But you'll see it. They talked a lot about the quarterbacks. Obviously, Burrow was out there. I think they published his scores back in 2019 at LSU because obviously they were super high. So, of course, he um, he, he was okay with them putting it out. It's proprietary. Obviously, it's private. Oh, so you you take it on a personal basis. You you don't take it with a group at the combine or anything now. Yeah, I don't know. See, so you, you'll have to double check me on that. In the articles that I read, I, I don't know. They may have in the last year or two started doing it in a way where they do it at the combine, but I'm I'm kind of unclear because they talked about Bryce Young and they said he's been taking it since he was 14. So he actually owns his own data so he can disclose, you know, he can decide if he wants to disclose his or not. Like the NFL doesn't own his data or the college team doesn't own his data. He's been so taking it himself. Then it could um, be like SAT testing where the, the, the you know you have to you have to ask for your scores to be forwarded to a university or whatever. Yeah, but you'll see in there there's there's one of those articles, the Purdy article, they have a pretty good section in there that makes you kind of want to be like detective where they said, "Hey, we looked in the last uh I don't even think they put the time period on it, but it sounds like it was recent in the last year or two. We looked at 27 starting quarterbacks and their cognition scores on our test lined up with their passer rating. Like they had a 90 or above huh. passer rating. They also had these high cognition scores. And then, you know, like, so 14 of the guys were high, thir- 14 of the 27 were high, 13 of the 27 were low. So it makes you go back to look, Oh, Hey, Lamar Jackson, what was his passer rate? So this is the first thing that I did was go back and look like, Hey, was he one of the high cognition guys? I want to know. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting thing. So yeah, I, I, again, taking this off the rails, but, they not only use it for quarterbacks, you can understand why that one gets the most attention. People want to know about how quickly quarterbacks are processing things, but they do it um, for defensive backs. I don't want to say, they, I don't know if they do it for all positions, but they definitely do it for defensive backs. And they did talk about Trent McDuffie's being really high uh, coming out last year. So it's a pretty cool test because uh, like they said, with baseball players, it's, you know, uh, pitch recognition, you know, th- those, sure. those kinds of, yeah. Yeah. It's not, not so much trying to, to get an idea of, uh, your study habits, maybe like the the wonder like might, you know, how are you able to retain information? And it's literally about processing things. And you'll, you'd love it because it gets into like the milliseconds and like the mm-hmm. eye blinks, you know, 150 milliseconds. Some of these guys are, you know, they're, they're registering scores that are faster than an eye blink. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. That's, I, that, I, lo- I do love that kind of stuff. And, and I, you know, one of the fun things that I think everybody likes to do is take the wonder lick test themselves. Not everybody, maybe, it. but, I take but it. It, so it's a, it's a, it's definitely an entertaining thing. I, I'd be afraid to take the S2 test because I'm afraid my video gaming com- career might be over. You know, <laughs> yeah, mine, is, mine is long over. So I know my processing would, would not be good, but they, they even give you a couple of examples of some of the things that are actually in the test. So, you know, try, try to play that game at home yourself. So uh, it's a pretty interesting test. Uh, and it seems to be gaining some more steam around the league and with teams. So just yeah. another little nugget there. You, you uh, Do you have aging parents who need to be looked after or getting to the point where they're at a retirement home yet? You're not quite there, right? Not quite yet. No. Okay. So when I'll tell a little story that's a, a little bit overboard, but we've got, a, we've got a lot of stories. This may have to be broken up into two episodes anyway. So my mother uh, uh, lived to the age of 95. And she was extremely needy at the end of her life, as as most people. She just wants to talk to somebody, and she so she wants to call me up. But one of the common ground things we found was, I couldn't go over and fix her computer every day because literally teaching her how to turn on the computer or how to cut and paste every day would have been too much. But what I could do 
was have one of the screens in my office here, and I've got five screens right here, set to play her computer all the time. There's a big brotherish aspect to this, but I just watch directly what she's doing on her computer. And she got into playing this, this um, forget what it's called, but it's one of those mind games for that's supposed to keep older people sharp. Mm. And and uh, one of them has this intoxicating train game where you have to move people around the station. And I would just like sit here and watch her play that game <laughs> on her computer. It was just, it was a lot to watch, but it, it makes you want to play these games. They're not made for you know people our age, or you know, they probably are made closer for people my age because I'm about to be that age. But you're, but they're not made for people your age. Let's put it that way. <laughs> hey man, look, there's these things you've probably heard them because you game a little bit more than me. But um, I forget what the the title of the type of game that they are. But basically, the one that I've gotten into, it's a power washing game. You have a power washer. And you just power really? wash things. Yeah. There's no time <laughs> limit on it. There's no score. <laughs> you just power wash them. You just clean them. See, I've always looked at games like that, and there's fishing, and there's all these other games. I'm like, yeah, really? There's a, it's one that, one that where, you, where you simulate you're a truck driver. It's like, yep. I've heard the game is very relaxing. I hate to drive. That's <laughs> yes. Maybe that's what they're called. Maybe they're called comfort games or cozy games. Something I can't remember because my daughter told me about it. I, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, why would somebody want to do this? This seems super boring. And I downloaded <laughs> the game and I can't, I'm changing my nozzles. <laughs> hey, it is, I don't know how to explain it, man. Did somehow see score, we, we, what a good job. Power wash simulator. There you earn is. money. You oh do earn God. money for different jobs, you know, depending yeah. on the size of the thing that you're cleaning. It could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a fence, it could be whatever. Solar panels. I've done all kinds of things. So we've been down some rabbit holes lifetime in, in our show. <laughs> about as bad as a power washing game though this is the first (laughs) all right all right my friend let's uh let's keep going so so let's see witherspoon was i number one guy was your number three guy right yes okay my number three guy was forbes so we're so you're number two guy uh joy porter joy porter Porter. so we already said i think we only got one guy left to talk we only got one guy left to talk about that's christian gonzalez he's my number two guy and i guess he's your number one guy why don't you go first since he's your number one guy hey he's look in terms of everything but the size, I think right there, uh, I think Devin Witherspoon is right there, right? Devin Witherspoon just doesn't have the same, you know, physical dimensions as Christian Gonzalez. Right. But because he had those physical dimensions, he's he's the Roy Hobbs for me in this group. He's the natural. <laughs> because you look at that size, you look at that athleticism. Even if you hadn't seen him play and you just saw the combine, right, and you see the athletic testing, and then you go back and watch him, it lines up. You see that same athleticism on tape. He is just a natural, easy mover at the cornerback position. Everything looks easy. Everything looks under control. He never looks panicked. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like there are no you know, negatives or no weaknesses, because obviously none of these guys are finished products. I'd like to see him be a little more physical consistently. Um, I'd also like to see him, you know, maybe kind of finish some more plays at times where I think it's like, hey, you could probably pick that ball off. Right. You had an opportunity to go and drive and go get that ball instead of kind of just knocking it away or getting in the body position uh, to to deny the throw, which those are good, too. They're negative plays for the offense. So those are certainly good things, too. But it's just like, look, you've got this real high end athletic ability and size. I think you can make even more plays than you did make. Right. And I want to say he had three or four picks this year. I don't know. Four. Three touchdowns, not four picks. Yeah. So he made so, you know, so he made plays. But you just look at. And everything else, man, it's all there. Um, I didn't write down his dimensions, but I know he's what was he six one, six two? Yeah, six two, one ninety-seven, four thirty-eight. Yeah. Uh played in 30 games in college between Colorado. He started at Colorado and transferred to Oregon, started all 30. Um, <laughs> so that's that's pretty good. Uh followed his DB coach at Colorado to Oregon, Dan Lanning, who got the head coaching job at Oregon, hired uh Demetrius Martin, I think was a quarterback. So he followed him over there. Um, and you look at his background again, you talk about pedigree. His dad was a basketball player, played college ball. His dad's six, nine, both of his sisters ran track. He has two older sisters. They both ran track in college. They actually made the Colombian national team and people may know his older sister, Melissa, because if you watch hard knocks with the lions and that scene where they're in the room and they're watching the woman run in the Olympics, Melissa Gonzalez, that's his sister. Huh, so his sister right. is maybe to is married to then Lions quarterback David Blau. So they had that scene where they all got in the film room and she's running and they're like cheering her on and he's losing his mind, cheering for his wife. <laughs> that's uh that's Christian Gonzalez's older sister, one of his older sisters. So definitely got the athletic pedigree. Um, I think uh 
you wanted for him, I think he, he, you wanted to see him kind of maybe test himself against another level of competition. Not that Colorado is bad. I mean, obviously they're, 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 you know, a, a D one program. They had some down years uh, over the last few years there for sure. And so him getting a chance to go out there to Oregon and maybe see just maybe a little bit of an uptick in terms of the level of competition that he'd see at wide receiver, not like going to the sec by and large, but did play for a former sec defensive coordinator, uh, Dan Lanning, who got the head coaching job up there. So you got to see him play in that Georgia-style defense. And again, just really fluid, really easy mover, makes plays on the ball, sees it. Uh, One of the notes that I had is very little time between, or there appears to be, obviously I'm not measuring it, appears to be very little time between what he sees and how he's able to make his body react to what he sees, because it's like that. Hmm. Uh, For a guy, yeah, for a guy his size, too. you see it sometimes and guys are like 5'10", 5'11", in that 180-ish, 185-pound range. You're like, okay, yeah, you expect them to move like that. But for a guy his size to move like that, you're like, okay, that's that's pretty special. So that's why he's number one for me. Okay. I, I All the measurables I obviously love because they're the best in the class. But I, I, there were things that I didn't like and eventually came down to one factor being the reason why I thought Witherspoon over Gonzalez and it's yards per target. Gonzalez allowed 7.7 yards per target. All the great that's there, 7.7 yards per target, Witherspoon 3.3. And, you know, I'm just, I, I, the the problem for for me is I'm not watching every single game. So what, what that means is I I can't just watch highlights because that's not enough. So you got to watch one game and then you don't know if you're getting a representative game all the way through. And you probably watch more than that. I try to do three to four. Three, four. That's that's. I mean, that's really good. What what I would say is, I think there is a processing speed that is not at the highest level. And you just said kind of the opposite thing in in saying that it, that you think I I think his processing speed was just a tick slow, and I think the yards per target are are kind of telling us that. And and you know Forbes, you know he doesn't have to be Malcolm Forbes because he's got everything else, yeah. and he'll be a good. NFL cornerback, and maybe that's even something he can do. But I will say this, projecting somebody to be a better processor is probably one of the most difficult things. I'd be more comfortable on almost any other improvement of a negative to, to, to get better. And that said, I mean, he had lots of good plays, lots of a plays where he made a play. He wasn't even looking at the quarterback. He figured out from the route tree what was going on, and he, and he, and he knocked it away or picked it off. Uh, he, he had plenty of that on his tape, but, but that yards per target, kind of concerns me and it's it's not a good number and and it's a hell of a lot worse than witherspoon who is just an unbelievable production play after play after play guy so um you know i I know a lot of people love gonzalez i know he'll probably be the first cornerback taken um he's just a step behind witherspoon for me yeah which i think is totally fair um the processing thing and this is what i wrote about ringo and i think it could apply to gonzalez i think it could apply to other guys too i do wonder if those guys can get better and, and, and it, it may take it out of the category of processing speed. It may be something else at that point, but when they're more disciplined with their eyes mm-hmm. and they are able to react to what a wide receiver is doing sooner, maybe that's no longer considered processing. It's more reaction speed, I guess is probably a better word for it, but that can speed them up. That's what I kept thinking about Ringo. The more that I watched, I'm like, if he just gets his eyes in the right place, he's going to see that hip drop. He's going to see that break and then he's going to be able to get out of his transition just that beat faster where maybe he can make a play on that ball instead of making the tackle right after the receiver catches the ball. Now, it's a big if, right, because you're doing it at this point. You've probably heard this by now, um, so I'm probably not breaking any news. But when you get to the NFL, a guy that I follow on Twitter a lot, Matt Waldman, he's talked about this Mm -hmm. and he says, you know, he's had scouts kind of confirm this for him. It's like, look, it's going to become mostly about learning scheme. Individual fundamental improvement, you're going to be doing a lot of that on your own. You're not going to be a lot of that done in the team setting. Maybe in the OTAs, you know, in the early part before you get to camp. Then once you get into camp, you know, you're you're starting to, like, get evaluated on play. So the schemes might be a little bit watered down, but it's more about evaluation. And then once you get into the season, it's all scheme-based. Like, there's very little individual fundamental work. He's like, you have indie period at at your practice, but it's not, like, what you get in college. So – can that be done? Can a guy get more disciplined with his eyes and train his eyes to have them in the right place more of the time? You hear Harbaugh talk about it all the time, right? With DBs, oh, he didn't have his eyes in the right place. Yeah, it can happen, 
but you're going to have to probably by and large do a lot of it on your own. And so that's a makeup thing at that point. Is it the kind of guy who's really going to invest in making sure that that happens? Yeah. Yeah. So, so two, two things about that, because I love that. The first is that I would not expect Gonzalez to be a special teams player, probably at all in the NFL. So he's going to get, if he came to the Ravens anyway, he'd get 20 minutes with a position coach all alone during special teams drills. So that really creates an opportunity. Patrick Queen, ideal example of a guy who did not really use that very well. And and I, I, it's not all his fault, I don't believe, but he did not appear to have a good relationship with uh, Rob Ryan. Hmm. And uh, it, it, they just, they weren't working on anything, uh, you know, for, for, for a lot of that time that I, that I saw him two years ago. Uh, but, but in the case of Gonzalez, um, if, if he is the kind of quarterback, a cornerback that he should be, then he'll take that off season time like Lamar Jackson has and, yeah. and become the better version of himself and, and do that. And I, I do want to make sure that I'm saying, I am not saying in any sense that Christian Gonzalez has a slow mind or whatever. And when I talk yeah. about processing speed, it is those things. I, I, you know, where he puts his eyes is part of processing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how quickly he knows to turn his eyes, what, you know, wh- where they are, you know, it, and, and then how, how quickly, obviously he turns that into action is the other component of it. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. And that, I, I'm really interested to look up that S2 test. Yeah. And see you know exactly what that has in there. You'll take yourself down a little rabbit hole. There's not a ton of stuff out there, but there's enough where you can read, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine articles on it. Um, there's probably more about the baseball testing that they've done because they've been doing it for longer, but you're starting to see more of the NFL stuff out there. But yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating to me because that's really what you are trying to, to measure in, in, you know, in a big sense, in a large sense about NFL players. When you talk about processing, that's what it's about. It's about how quickly you can identify things, understand what you're seeing and react to it. Right. right? This, this is what you're trying to find out about all these guys at all these positions. And, you know, the, the, the guys that can can do that, you know, better are typically the guys that, you know, are the better players. Now, there's exceptions to every rule. You know, there, there could be some guys out there who maybe don't process quite as fast as some other guys, but they're still pretty good players, pretty solid players. But, you know, they have other things that they do that sort of mitigates, you know, that. But I, I think for me, that's where it always starts. And with corners, that's I'm always looking at eyes. I mean, you got to look at the athleticism, of course, with corner because it's a it's a reactionary position. But I'm always looking at their eyes because their eyes tell them everything about what they should be doing. Right. So that's the discipline part. When I, you know, people say, well, these eyes, yeah, you can't train your eyes. They have to be disciplined because somebody can tell you all day, lock your eyes on that hip, lock your eyes on that hip. But then you're actually in a rep against a wide receiver and he does something. Your natural, you know, uh, inclination is to look at him, look at his head. Where is he looking? Where is he? <laughs> right. That's that's the natural. You've got to fight that. Until it's time to do that, until you're in a position to do that. If you lock it on the hip until you see the hip drop to let you know whether he's breaking or not, all right, now you can react to that. Now you can transition your eyes, right, to to get into phase with him and to try to locate the ball. So it's a, it's a discipline thing, and it's not as – it sounds easy, but it's not because your eyes want to look up. They want to look at the person. They want to look for the ball. My high school coach used to always tell me, what are you looking back at the quarterback for? He's not throwing you the ball. He's throwing it to the wide receiver. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things. Your 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 natural, you know, just things in your body. You want to look at the quarterback and see where the ball's at. But that's not you're gonna you're gonna get out of phase when you're doing that, you know, unless you're in zone already. If you're a man, that's that's not gonna help you. All right. Outstanding stuff, Michael. Let's uh, let's talk honorable mentions for you, because I've got four guys on my honorable mention list and uh all guys I'd be thrilled with the the, the Ravens getting, but who's on your list? All right, let's see if we got some overlap again. This guy's tough. I really wanted to squeeze him in the top 10 some kind of way. Darius Rush, South Carolina. I had him yeah. right there. My um, number 13 guy. He was a guy who was kind of the opposite of what's – well, no, no, he was in the same boat because I talked about guys, you know, kind of being just okay to me on film but then really looking good at the Senior Bowl. Same thing for him. He went to Senior Bowl, and it's like he knew what the routes were in some of these one-on-ones. I mean, he's running the route for the wide receiver. And I'm like, did this guy study these wide receivers before he came to the senior bowl? <laughs> because he looks really, really good. Um, so he's on my list. Uh, Corey Trice Jr. from Purdue. Uh, Clark Phillips out of Utah. I mentioned I had DJ Turner on my list. And then uh, Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford. Okay. So Caillou Blue did not quite make my top 14. Um, actually, Clark Phillips I have is on my no list. 
Okay. Um, because because it's significant size limitation yeah. and, a, and a very high missed tackle rate. So a combination of things. Can he improve the missed tackles? Maybe, but if they're a function of size, maybe not. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned about that. Um, Tyreek Stevenson was on my list. We talked about him earlier. Eli Ricks was on my list. Oh, man, I forgot about Ricks. <laughs> but he'd, be, he'd be on your list. That's okay. You can put him on now. Dar- Darius Rush and Ja'Korian Bennett is on my list. He's number 14 among all my corners. Uh, and I would just be thrilled if the Ravens would end up getting him. Uh, some other guys that people like that are a no on me, Jalen Jones, um, mm, yeah, uh, 26 years old. Do I have that correct? The age? I, I don't know, but I actually, I've mentioned, I had to write some profiles. He's one of the guys that I wrote a profile on. I was like, that's a safety. <laughs> that's not a corner. That's a safety. The way he moves. Well, he's, he's probably not in anything if he's actually 26 and, and it's possible the age is wrong out there, but they show him as, as born in 1997 and he's, and he's got limited college experience. So I don't know what he's doing during those years. What, you know, what, where his life took him during that time, but he's, he's missing in action. So, uh, yeah, let me, it could be wrong. Yeah. I I want to do a quick check because I did write him up and I typically do try to write the age on guys. Um, well, so take it for what it's worth. PFF has him at 21. They got him March uh, 4th, 2002. And then I may have to take back some of what I'm saying here. I don't think he'd still make the top 10, but uh, it, it, an interesting. I've got Jalen Jones' birthday, and let me just get this right here. I've got October 14th, 1997. It's his picture. He's 25 as of right now, 26 on October 14th. Yeah. I, so that's interesting. So can, I, I don't know where PFF gets there. Actually, his Wikipedia page has the exact same thing. Born October 14th, 1997 in Allen, Texas. So unless somebody's going around screwing up Wikipedia pages, which is known to happen. (laughs) That has happened um, before. So somebody could actually, how it would happen is somebody would screw up the Wikipedia page just to burn him somehow. And then it shows up in another search where his birthday just comes up because that's probably the source of the age. So I think it's, it's actually more likely to be an error than not. But it wouldn't have mattered for me whether he's uh, whether he's 26 or 22, 23. It, it's he's still out of my top 10. But but he's a no at 26. He's, I, I yeah, even when I wrote him up too. I mean, you like the size, right? You see the size, and you're like, yeah, that's that's aircraft carrier type thing, right out there in corner. But he just did not move like a corner to me. I think he would really have a hard time uh, on a regular basis if he was starting in the NFL. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's obviously the age. You can't project any improvement on a 26-year-old. So you're, you're assuming he's 26. <laughs> he may not be. Yeah, let's be fair about all that. So anyway, uh, just abs- I-, I enjoy every football discussion I have on the show. But I got to say, whenever I get a chance to talk to you about football, Michael, just my favorite time of all. And I, you know, it, I-, I wish we could find more time to do more shows, whether it's yours or mine, either one. Uh, but but maybe we can uh, do more of that this season, or at least I hope so. Yeah, we've got a season coming up, so we'll, we'll have, you know, at least what, 17 opportunities, hopefully more. Uh, <laughs> or is it 18? However many. I can never keep track now. 17 regular seasons. Yeah. yeah, so hopefully there are more. Uh, but, yeah, I look forward to that, too. It is always fun. We talk football. We talk about power washing. Uh, <laughs> it's just a great time all around. Power wash simulator out there. <laughs> Doing an ad for don't knock it till you try it. I'm telling you. Tell folks where they can find your writing and uh, and uh, podcast <laughs> online. So uh, on Twitter, I'm at Abukari, A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Um, still do uh, two podcasts. Um, do the Deep Cover podcast with Chris Aguilera and Carrie Stevenson, and then do the Fire Zone with uh, Denard Melton. So the Fire Zone is pretty much all defense. Uh, DCP is... I'd say we probably spend more time on offense, but we talk defense too. And we, you know, we, we just cover the gamut on there too. A lot of, a lot of life talk on DCP mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, you know, love getting together with those guys, really consider those guys friends. I mean, a lot of times you meet people online and it's kind of just an online thing, but I've actually met them in person too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's been a pretty cool thing just like you, you know, so that's, 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 that's been go. a pretty cool part of this whole experience. Yeah. A lot of a lot of fun, obviously. You know, I've spent eight years in semi-retirement so far, and it's the people I've met through podcasting have, have really been just great. I've, I've enjoyed all the folks I've met, and uh, I, you don't enjoy every single person you meet, but I enjoy most of the the, the, the people I've met. I, I, it's a lot of fun to to actually meet them uh, uh, in for whatever a football game or a baseball game, even. But uh, anyway, life is good. 
other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short and you want to uh, talk, I, you can talk a that one play. You can talk something about the draft or franchise building. I have some shows coming up on two players at a time that I'll do. And Michael, I'm going to try and recruit you for one of those, including, including all of your podcast mates to do at least one of those shows. Okay. Um, cool. And uh, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open if you're out there and you'd like to be on. Michael, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. It was a blast. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.